Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Guillermo Galindo, a sound artist and experimental composer whose collaborative exhibition, Border Cantos, Sonic Borders, is currently on display at the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport. Hello, Guillermo. Hi, how are you? Well, good, thank you. And and this exhibition of yours is really an immersive experience for the visitor. It, it uses both photography and sound to place us at the U.S.-Mexican border. You created the original musical score, which which visitors immediately hear when they enter the space using actual objects that were abandoned and discovered at the border. What are some of the objects that you used to create your instruments? Uh, well, there, there's several objects. There's uh, eight uh, classes or types of objects in this particular exhibit, or I would call it a sound installation. And there's one that is called tortillafono. It's a, a wall vibraphone which contains also strings, and is made from a discarded metal cap of an electrical box from the failed SBI-NET Secure Border Initiative Surveillance Program that was turned into a mallet and string instrument. So this program um, was, I think, during the the Bush era, and uh, these cases, metal cases, hold circuitry with sensors that were eventually melted because of the heat of the desert. So they, the, these cases, these metal cases were discarded. And I made uh, this uh, vibraphone string instrument out of one of those, and it's called the tortillafono. Some of, the, some of the objects even are very simple. They're bottles. You use bottles as flutes, like old bottles of Pedialyte, an electrolyte supplement for people who are, who are thirsty, and, and Coca-Cola, and um, jugs filled with gravel. And, and uh, you, you know, you can hear almost the sounds of your breath. You can imagine footsteps across pebbles or sand blowing wind. It's, it's very evocative and you create very haunting sounds. Yes, uh, I, my, my, my music is influenced by, by the 20, late Western 20th century uh, music. Uh, and uh, the, the, at this time, there was a lot of conceptual music by John Cage or like Karl-Heinz Stockhausen. And it was very concept, what we call conceptual music, that it used timbre as a basis, not harmony and melody like in our uh, songs or traditional music. But I found it very close to folly, what we call folly, that is the sound effects that are made for films. And um, from there, I created these soundscapes, what I call soundscapes. Uh, it's a, a known word that are um, landscapes, but of sound that you imagine um, a place or a series of things that are happening around you, guided by the sounds that that I'm making. Well, it is, it is this, this whole exhibition is quite a combination of the soundscape that you've created, which, as you described, it's it's like a landscape but with sound, and then the the extraordinary photographs taken by Richard Mizrak, who you collaborated with, and together they really reveal the largely unseen human reality of the Mexican 
American borderlands. And, and his, so his large-scale photographs are on display side-by-side side with your work. And, and how did your relationship with Richard Mizrak begin? I was already building my, my uh, I don't call them instruments, I call them sonic devices, and I was already building them uh, for a commission of a wind quintet, uh, uh, their Quinteto Latino commissioned me. It was called Voces del Desierto, Voices of the Desert. And I was already creating those instruments. So um, I met a writer. <clears throat> His name was Daniel Alarcón, Peruvian writer. And he had um, a presentation at the Pop-Up Magazine uh, event in San Francisco. And he invited me to play my sonic devices while he was reciting a narrative related to immigration. And Richard was in the audience and the rest is history because he contacted us and we met him and the whole project started right there. Mm-hmm. Well, it was quite a fortuitous encounter between between the two of you because you really do raise in a very uh, in a very beautiful way these qu- these deep questions regarding our humanitarian social issues, environmental concerns, yeah, politics. Yeah. yeah. So, so he found some of these objects, and then you created these sonic devices. How how did they make you feel when you first held them in your hands? Because just the whole idea that something was discarded, often, you know, out of in in desperate circumstances, and then and then the fact that that discarded object could be turned into make turned into music is 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 revelatory yeah well when i found the objects is both a haunting and a very humbling feeling and um these objects would otherwise be considered uh, trash or debris by other people but i really find them uh sacred objects and uh objects connected to the to the people that that abandon their places of origin in search of a better future and uh what I, when I find them, it's a very special thing because it's like a kind of a, I would compare it to a, a crime scene almost that, or, or a place where something happened and what is left is only the, 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 the material objects that, that took part in an action and are there and you go and, and, and you, know, you, you start creating your own story about what happened there and how they were left behind or who was carrying these objects. And I pick them up, I bang them, I rob them, and I see what kind of sound I can make with them. And then I um, eventually turn them into these sonic devices that are kind of sculptural. And uh, initially I used to call them cyber totemic that are kind of totems. They're kind of, um, they're not only uh, sonic objects or musical instruments, they are more than that. They're um, talismans of connection. Mm-hmm. Can you describe your your sonic device soundscape for us? The soundscape was based in one of Richard Mizrak's photographs. I th- uh, if I'm not wrong, it's uh, the Arizona desert. Uh, it's kind of a rocky, uh, this kind of pinkish, yellowish rocks. And uh, I, I, I made it out of hollow wood, a representation of the, of, of the mountains. And uh, they're hollow and they have these tongues that are left out. And the tongues uh, is where you play the percussion part of it, the tongues that are kind of um, uh, part of the, of the mountains. And this is based on an Aztec instrument that was called Teponastli, 
that was made out of a hollow wood and it had to a couple of tongues out where you can play. Um, and and uh, basically that's what it is. It's a it's a it's a landscape, and I call it soundscape. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe to people. It when you look at it, it almost appears to be a freestanding table, and on the top of it is this mountainous landscape, and then this very poignant part of it is you installed rusted nails, a series of them, through the landscape that suggests the border wall. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I found some. Um, rusted nails and uh, some oxidized nails and I just put them there and they also are part of the instrument if you if you uh, rub them with a piece of metal they produce a sound mm-hmm. well and then even even more poignant the valley f- floor if you will is covered with pages of a of a bible that was inscribed to a girl and then must have been lost or cast aside just yeah just discarded yeah the cover of the bible is still there it's framed it seems like it was a, it has a dedication from her aunt or her mother, an elderly woman that was dedicating this Bible that she took along through the journey. Many of your instruments are reimagined from other cultures. You you mentioned that within soundscape, it's similar to an Aztec drum. I was also interested in shell pinata, which is hanging from the ceiling, and that was inspired by a West African instrument. Yes, the shakere. Yeah, mm-hmm. the uh, it's a shaker. Um, but you, the, the, the important thing about using instruments from different cultures and different times, for example, the, you were talking about the soundscape, uh, the Nasli instrument is at least a thousand years old, 2000 years old, not this particular one, but the original. And also I, I, I have a, a, another instrument that it's a scyther, a string instrument that it's based on a gujang, that is a Chinese instrument, or a koto, that is a Japanese instrument. But um, the point with this is, is to, to, to make the point that immigration has always existed through humanity, since the beginning of humanity, and, it, and it, it's, it's, it has happened all around the world. There's no one place in the world that hasn't had emigration and immigration. So that, that's right. the point of... of um, of choosing uh, instruments from all the way, aside from uh, exploring uh, alternative sounds. Mm-hmm. It know. ties it ties in so beautifully, doesn't it? Because you really are making the statement that there's a universality to music, just as there is a universality to human migration and human suffering. And we are certainly seeing it now with the Ukrainian crisis. And, and you definitely seem to be someone who's aware of those interconnections. Yes, yes, that's that's. I, it was very well thought. Uh, the, the the project we 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 worked on it and we thought about it for about two or three years without showing anything or uh, putting out, putting it out there. So there was a lot of thought behind it. Mm-hmm. This is part of the thought behind it. One aspect to your soundtrack that I found very interesting was that it was intentionally created around the idea of the Venus calendar. Can can you tell us how you constructed it? Yeah, there's two 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 uh, calendars that are used by the Aztec Nahuatl people. One is the sun calendar, that is the same one that we use with 330, 360 days plus five days that are um, that are free, that are uh, movable, because it's it's not precise. We, um, and our calendar has weeks of seven days, months of 30, 31 days, except for February. 
And uh, the Venus calendar is very interesting because it has weeks of 13 days and months of 20. So when you're in the second week, you're already in the second month. So um, if you start the first week with the first month, it takes 260 days to, to fall in place because it keeps defacing until you, you fall in place again and start again. So 260 days, I converted it into 260 minutes, which is four hours and 20 minutes. And the structure of the piece is calculated uh, with these um, uh, measurements. So it, the, 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 the piece keeps displacing in a length of four hours and 20 minutes. And it, it's, 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 it's almost, uh, it's hard to perceive it right away, but it has a sense of pulling you forward. And also to, to, to say one thing, I made a map in my studio that was a very large map to create this piece because uh, we usually make uh, music that is what, four minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But when you're making a piece of four hours and 20 minutes, you, you get lost. And it's also a metaphor of being lost in the desert. You have mm -hmm. to see where you are in the map of the score constantly. And you think you advanced a lot and you advance a little bit, or you think you advance very little and sometimes you advance a lot. It's, it's a very interesting relative way to see, to conceive time. Mm -hmm. Almost like you're seeing a mirage. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Very. It's like when you're lost in the desert, probably. Uh, I mean, I didn't do it in purpose, but it ended up coinciding with the feeling of, of being lost in, in a place that you don't have a particular city or streets or or you don't have particular uh, land um, land uh, signs that tell you where you are and how long it's going to take you to arrive. Mm -hmm. Well, it's all very effective because I would say that the soundtrack provides almost a portal for the visitor. I, I felt like I was transported away from the second floor of the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport to the U.S.-Mexico border. There is something about it that um, it's this sensory experience that can almost make you forget where you are. So it's very, very effective. Yes. You know, yeah, I, I was wondering, Guillermo, you're, you're originally from Mexico City, but you received your BA in film scoring and composition from the Berkeley College of Music, and then your master's in composition and electronic music from Mills College in Oakland, California, but you were classically trained. I was curious about when you transitioned away from more traditional compositions to experimental music. You started. I started exploring a lot of uh, how other cultures, uh, non-Western cultures, conceive music, uh, more of a, a more as, as, as a healing um, um, healing device, sound as healing device, and as a communal experience. So I was seeing that the traditional um, Western way of seeing music was not necessarily consigning with. Uh, these uh, uh, Western concepts with, um, with my uh, pre-Columbian concepts. So I started exploring and I found um, the music of other cultures, including pre-Columbian music, uh, a good source to explore and find new ways of to conceive 
music, not only music in the sense of, uh, of, of my installation, my sound installation, but also in performance. And you're currently teaching at the California College of the Arts, which is in San Francisco. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Are you teaching your students uh, more experimental techniques there too? What, what, what courses are you teaching? Yes, I'm teaching two courses. One is a sound and experimental sound, ways to use sound as a medium of communication. And the other one is a performance art class in which I actually apply a lot of the principles of, of uh, how music is, is presented as, not as a spectacle, but as part of, a, part of a, um, an activity, a daily activity and ritual, no? Um, uh, rite of passage ritual in many cultures. So um, I'm uh, applying all of those techniques, plus a lot of uh, uh, symbolism from archetypal um, symbols that I use, that I'm uh, using in, in sound. I use sound as a symbol, and symbolism as you use it in painting or the visual arts. I hadn't really thought about there being an analogy in sound. Yes, I think that there's, uh, there's um, especially when you're using sounds of daily objects, you can have a lot of references. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, there's a limited amount of meanings that a bell would have, for example, no? the sound of a bell or metallic thing that sounds like a bell. I mean, it, you can refer to a church, you can refer to something sacred, something, a call of certain type. You know, there's a limited number of meanings that every sound could have in itself. Do you do you do you, get, do you get distracted by sound? I'm just wondering about that because you're so tuned to it. Do you find that during the course of your day, you oh, yeah, constantly, constantly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stop and probably can't move on because you hear a captivating sound? <laughs> well, <laughs> the instruments that you created for this exhibition are now part of the permanent collection of Art Bridges, which is in Bentonville, Arkansas. And their mission is to expand access to American art. And art does have the potential to open our minds and to initiate meaningful meaningful conversations with one another. So I've been wondering what um, the reaction has been to this project of yours and how does it make you feel to watch people enter the gallery space and see, see see this exhibition? Oh, it's, it's fascinating. I, I, especially now that I was at the at the Figi Museum, a lot of kids were really excited about it, and they were just walking around and and listening and and just experiencing. And it, it's great to have uh, new generations of of people enjoying and 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 finding other ways to listen and other ways to 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 conceive art, the art experience. I think that um, it's very important, uh, and and it's just fascinating for me just to sit down and see what people do and how they listen and how they walk around. The the, the piece is also very spatial, so every place that you are in the gallery is a very different experience because the sounds are coming from underneath of each of the sonic devices. Yeah, they um, they are. They they hit you from different areas, and you, you're right. You have to walk around the installations. Some of them seem to come from the floor, some from the ceiling. I'm not sure, but you can hear them distinctly different as you move around. Yes, and that, that is, we're used to. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just a 
fascinating aspect to it. Yeah, the, we're used to to the sound coming usually from two speakers that are kind of pointing in any direction, and we and that makes us lose a little bit of the characteristic of what characteristic of 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 real sound because real sound also has a location, a particular location. The sound comes from the location of the object or person that is making the sound. It doesn't come from two speakers facing at you. It comes from different locations. So um, I insist in this uh, um, installation to have the sound coming from particular locations. Well, Guillermo Galindo, thank you for talking today. It was It was a great pleasure. Thank you. The same for me. Thank you for inviting me. Don't miss the opportunity to contemplate and listen to the thought-provoking ex- exhibition Border Cantos, Sonic Borders, now on display at the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport up through June 5th. And the photographer Richard Mizrak, with whom Guillermo Galindo collaborated on this project, will give a virtual talk about his work on Thursday, March 24th at 6.30 p.m. To register for the talk, visit figgyartmuseum.org. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. Thank you.